This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Good morning. Welcome to RSCC. It, it is good to be back. Hey, can we do something real quick? Adam and Ashley did an awesome job while I was gone the last three weeks. Can you just put your hands together for them, right? Adam had to find out the first week that he's preaching on, on Thursday night, so he did an awesome job. And I want to thank all of you for, and there's too many people to mention, but for your, your prayers and the gifts, the baby shower and the meals and, and the text and the emails, all that. And I brought a picture. Natalie won't be here yet, but a couple weeks. So this is Natalie, and she is excited to get to church. She'll be here in a couple weeks, hopefully. So mom and Natalie are at home and hopefully sleeping. So when I get back, I can sleep because we're a little tired. But hey, we just want to thank you so much uh, for praying for her and, and all the gifts and the love that you have already shown. And we are excited for you to meet her, but not quite yet. It'll be in a couple weeks. But today, um, I'm excited to finally jump back into preaching. So I'm going to warn you, I've never taken three weeks off in a row. So I don't know how long today's going to be. So if you've got afternoon plans, you may want to cancel it. Your Sunday school teacher, you may want to text them and say, hey, we we might be a little late today. I don't know how long we're going to go. We're just going to go with it, and, and we're going to see what God's going to do. So no promises on length. But I'm excited to get into this series on James. We're in the middle of this series. Uh, we called Paparazzi. It's been on the book of James, and we are in week five, and we're starting chapter three today, but we're going to skip the beginning of chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, or you're following along in the app, or your Bible app, uh, you go to uh, chapter three. Verse 13, that's where we'll pick up in just a second. But the, the, the series is all about the idea of show me your faith. It's really to show me, um, it's really to show me book. James says like, hey, you got a faith and you believe in Jesus and you believe in all this stuff. Show me, show me, show me, show me. And here, here's what I believe today. Today, I believe if you're open to it, because the discussion we're about to have is going to be really practical. If you're open to it, that God can and use you, if you're open to hearing God, you God's voice and God moving you or, or prompting you to do something, that this can change your life, that what we're about to talk about is when you leave today, if you apply this to your life, you will have a better faith life, you will have better decisions, you, it will change your life automatically, and that's my promise to you, but you have to be open to it, and you got to allow God to move and speak to you today, but as we start, I, I want to start on a, with a question to kind of get rolling, and, and I want some participation, and I need some participation, so... Have you ever done something and thought, what in the world was I thinking after you did it? Anybody like, hey, you do something, you're like, what in the world was I thinking? So, have you ever said something and as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're like, you wish you could grab them and pull them back in, but they come out and you're like, what in the world was I thinking? Yeah, have you ever thought something and you're like, man, why did I think that? Or did you do something when you're arguing with a spouse? You're like, what in the world? How about this? Do you ever look back in your life and you're like, you look back at the people you may have dated or maybe even married and you're like, man, I don't know what I saw in them, but what in the world was I thinking? Or how about this? You ever look back at pictures and you look at your hairstyle and like, man, I know that was popular, but come on, why was that popular? What in the world was I thinking about having that haircut, right? You ever thought that, like, and you just look back at your life and you're like, how could I have been so foolish? How could I have been so unwise? Like, what in the world 
was I thinking? And we all have these moments. And if you're like me, you have many of these moments. And I call these moments in my life the, I really could have used a, do, uh, you know, I could have really used a dose of wisdom moments, right? Like if I only knew then what I knew know now, then I would have had a lot less problems, right? I just could have used more wisdom, meaning that if I would have had more wisdom, if I would have been able to, to be wiser in this moment, I would have been able to avoid a mistake, uh, a mess. I would have been able to avoid a fight. I would have been able to avoid uh, a decision in my life that derailed everything, right? I could have really used more wisdom. And we have these moments in our lives where we wish we have more wisdom. And most people, in some capacity, they wish they have more wisdom. And the reason that we want more wisdom is really simple. It is kind of, I have an equation. is more wisdom equals better life choices and fewer messes. And I don't know all of you, but I bet you that if I could guarantee you that you would make better life choices and have fewer messes, that you would take that, you would take that right? If I could give you a, a way to have better life choices... And fewer messes, you're like, I'm in for that, right? And here's what's interesting. Throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but specifically in the Old Testament, there's a book called Proverbs. And it's like a short little book, and it's all about wisdom. And I would say it's like modern-day Twitter. It's like really short, like one verse, like 144 characters or less. And Solomon gives you some wisdom. And there's many Scriptures, but one of my favorite about wisdom is Proverbs 16. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? He's like, hey, listen, you know, you, you think life is all about money and success and all this stuff. He goes, but what you really need, what really makes a difference, it's wisdom. And then Ephesians, uh, um, the New Testament, Ephesians, a man named Paul, he talks about li- wisdom. He's like, listen, kind of in regard to making choices, he says, be very careful, very careful than how you live, not as unwise but as wise. Why? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul is saying, listen, you're going to make decisions in your life as followers of Jesus, not followers of Jesus. You're going to make decisions of your, in your life and how you live. You need to be very careful, not be unwise, not to make bad life choices and have lots of messes, but live as wise. Why? Because the days are evil, meaning there is not a lot of wisdom going around. He's like, you need to be very careful. Very, very careful. And here, here's what's interesting. You don't have to look around very far. Hop on social media, turn on the news, read a newspaper, and, and you're going to see real quickly. The only, there's not only a shortage of supply, there's a shortage of wisdom in our world, isn't there? Right? And I don't want you to look at the person next to you, but you probably can think of someone right now who's not very wise. And, and someone comes to mind. And then you can think of your own life and that you're not very wise. But here's what's interesting is that I've never met someone who says, you know what, I'm going to wake up today. I'm going to look out the window. I'm going to look in the mirror. And you know what I'm going to say? Today is the day I'm going to ruin my life. I'm going to make some really bad life decisions. I'm going to mess up everything. I'm going to create a bunch of messes in my life. No, no one wakes up like that. No one says, you know what, I I want to be unwise. People say, I want to be wise. You want to be wise. We want more wisdom. We want to make better decisions and have fewer regrets. But we don't. And we go through this wisdom cycle where we wish we had more wisdom, but we don't have wisdom. So we make these, these messes and we make these decisions and we have all these decisions that create chaos in our lives. Meanwhile, Paul is saying like, hey, just be, wa- be wise. Be very careful. I told you. Solomon has many verses on wisdom. He's like, hey, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom. But we don't. And why this matters to you and I is that in this room, all of us are in different pages. 
and stages, and we're going through different things in life, and we're going to be making decisions. Some of you are juniors or seniors in high school, and you got some major decisions coming up, and you got to decide a few things. you got to decide, am I going to go to college? And if I am going to go to college, what college am I going to go to? And if I do go to college, what am I going to study? Right, what am I going to major in? Some of you have decided, well, am I going to go to the workforce? If I'm going to go to the workforce, well, what am I going to work? Where am I going to work? Or what skill am I going to try to have? Or if some of you say, like, well, I'm going to go to the military. Then you've got to decide, well, if it's going to be the Army, the Navy. You're like, what am I going to go to? Some of us right now, maybe you're in college. You're like, I really don't know what I want to major. Like, what do I want to study? Like, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Some of us are, are single, or, and we're like, you know, I'm talking to this person. I'm talking to this guy. I'm talking to this girl. Do I really want to go? Do I want to date him? Right? And then if you're dating and you're a little serious, like, do I want to marry them? Like, and, and if we're going to get married, well, where are we going to live? And where are we going to get married? And how are we going to have the wedding? And, and then, like, maybe you're married right now and you're like, well, you know, we got some job opportunities. And I, I don't know where to live. I don't know what I want to do. Like, do we want to have kids? Do we not want to have kids? Do we pay off the credit card, then go get the car? Do we pay off the, the car, then go buy a house? Like, you got all these decisions you're making. Like, hey, should I retire now? Should I wait until I'm later? Right? Like, what, what should I do? We're making all these decisions. Every single day we have all these decisions. You're making thousands of decisions Every single day. And what Paul says, what the scripture says, with every decision, we, we need to use wisdom. Every decision, we need to use wisdom. So what we're going to look at today is wisdom. And James is going to talk about wisdom. And before we get to wisdom, though, I know this is kind of a long introduction, but we've got to set this all up, right? I haven't been here for a long time, so let's set it up. We've got to talk about knowledge and wisdom, because there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Um, have you ever met someone who is really, really smart, like book smart, but not street smart at all? Anybody? Come on now. My, I know. Brendan Pristak, you, he might be listening. My brother, right? Smartest guy I know. Make some foolish things, like not street smart at all at times, right? But wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. You can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. Knowledge is knowing the truth, right? It's like knowing the facts. Wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Knowledge is gathering the information and knowing the stuff and knowing all, all you know, everything. Wisdom is able to take the facts and apply it to your life. In biblical sense, I like to say it this way, knowledge provides information. And in your faith, you need information, don't you? You need to know information. Wisdom provides transformation. So with that all in mind, as we look at, knowledge, as we look at wisdom today, let's not mistake wisdom for knowledge because there is a big difference. So James, in verse 13, is going to start with, with wisdom. And here's what he's going to do. He's not going to fool us. I'm not going to fool you. He says, every single one of you... Reading this letter, every single one of you listening today, you have two choices. And you're making one of those choices every day. Before you came in here today, you were living with one of these choices. And he says, you have two choices when it comes to wisdom. And here they are. Choice number one, godly wisdom. Um, in some of your translations, it's going to say wisdom from above today. So it's godly wisdom. Choice number two, it's earthly wisdom. Wisdom from below. So the, he says, you have a choice. Every single day, you are making decisions based on godly wisdom or earthly wisdom. There's no other choice. You're either living with godly wisdom or, or earthly wisdom. You have two choices. And what he's going to do is he's going to show us, here's how, how these two choices live, and here is what you're, here's the choice you're making by how you're living. He's like, here's the evidence. But here's what's awesome. Most of us would say, we want this. And James is going to say, but a lot of you are living with this. 
And that's why he writes this section. So chapter 3 starts off talking about um, words and not all of us should be teachers. And he's like the, the power of the tongue. And, and then he gets into wisdom. So verse 13, we're going to kind of break it down verse by verse. This is part 1 of verse 13. He says this, who is wise and, and understanding among you? So he starts with a question. And the question is, are you wise? Who is wise? All right? And all of us want to raise our hand. Like, hey, James. Me, I'm wise, right? I'm wise. I make good decisions. Like, James, I'm wise. That's what I want to say. So then I start, well, I start thinking about this. Well, James, okay, wait, wait. What do you mean by wise? Like, are you talking about, like, knowing, like, calculus? Because if you're talking about calculus, you lost me at, like, pre-algebra. Like, I I couldn't even pass that. Like, so is that wise? Are you talking about someone who reads a bunch of books? Because I listen to Audible and podcasts. Does that count? Like, are you talking about someone who knows like the, you know, the solar system and all the planets and all the historians and theologians? Is that what you're talking about? Is that wisdom? Because again, your boy's 0 for 3, right? If it's sports trivia, like if you can name the Super Bowl champions and NBA champions and where, who played where and who went to college where, like I'm good. Like if that's wisdom, James, I'm good. But what do you mean, James? What do you mean? Are you wise? He's like, well, good thing you asked because here's what I mean. And he continues in verse 13, let them show it, show it by their good life, by deeds done. So let it show them by their good life, by their good deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James says, you want to know the barometer, you want to know the measuring stick of wisdom. You want to know the measuring stick? And he says one word, and if you got your Bibles, this is where you highlight, you got your Bible app, this is where you highlight, you write this down. It's one word. He goes, you want to know if you're wise? He says one word, show, show. Everybody say that with me, show, show. All right, I've been gone three weeks, so here we go. One, uh, we're gonna go, I'm gonna point to it, you're gonna, I'm gonna say show, then you're gonna go, show. Ah, uh, there we go, show. He's like, hey, you wanna know if you're wise. It's not in words, because we, we think of wise, like when we think of wisdom, we think of uh, I kind of think of like Dumbledore from Harry Potter, got a long gray beard, you know, wears a fancy suit and, and like just, that's wisdom, right? Got gray hair, he's wise. And, and we think that wisdom comes from hearing. We think that wisdom is because we have all this information. And James is like, listen, if you want to really figure out if you're wise, if you want to know who is wise among you, if you want to know who the wise people are in your life, don't just look at the words. That wisdom isn't found in words, it's found in action. James says wisdom is not found in words and information. It's found in action. He's like, I don't care about that diploma on your wall, your bachelor's degree, your master's degree, your doctorate. Say, I don't care how many books you've read. Say, I, I, don't know, I don't care if you can watch Jeopardy and answer every question or you can fill in a little TV on Will of Fortune or you can get, the price is right, you can guess the price. He's like, that's not wisdom. You know, and, and so often we think in church, and this is the great, great, great mistake we make, is we think the wise people or, or the wise and the deep sermons or the sermons where it's just information, information, information. They, they, can, they, know, they know all the Bible books and they can tell you who wrote this book and, and they can tell you this and that and they need to know that. But most of us, James is going to say, you don't need more information. You need more action. He's like, you want wisdom? You want to know if you're wise? He's he's real simple. If you're wise, put your wisdom on display. Put it on display. He's like, if you're wise, show me. Remember, James is all about show me. If you're wise, don't tell me. 
Show me. And, and I was, as I was thinking about this this week, I, I thought about th- when I was growing up. Um, I grew up and I, I had a lot of great coaches. Uh, I was lucky enough in high school to have a Hall of Fame football coach and a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Both of them are in the Hall of Fame in Illinois. And so I, I had some awesome coaches. And one of the highlights of the summer before you get in high school and when you're like fifth grade and sixth grade is you get to go to the football camp put on by the high school. And it was Dan, Dan Wetzel. He actually coached his last game last week, and he's retiring, but he was inducted into the Hall of Fame two years ago, and, and he was a great coach. And, and we were at this camp one year, and, you know, he's coaching us some technique and how to run routes and how to tackle, all, you know, all the stuff in football, all the plays, all that stuff. But, you know, sometimes when you're young, you get a little confident. You get a little overconfident in your ability and your skills, and, and our group was really bad at that. And he, he basically says this, and, and it always stuck with me, right? And, and he said this, you don't have to tell everyone how good you are. Just show them. You don't got to tell them. If you're good enough, they'll see it. You don't got to tell them. James is like, hey, if you're wise, you don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to go on social media and make everybody see how smart you are. He's like, if you're wise, show them. What's really interesting, if you remember in week one, we said the, the book of James echoes a couple other areas in scripture. It echoes the book of Proverbs, and it echoes the Sermon on the Mount. Who else said, if you're wise, put it into action? At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching, and he's kind of coming to the conclusion. And in Matthew 7, in verse 24, he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a what? Wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus says, if you're wise, a wise man doesn't just hear the words, doesn't just have the knowledge, but he puts them into practice. And this person is a wise man who builds their house on the rock. Biblical wisdom is shown in the way we live our life. All right, so what does that mean? Well, what are we showing? Well, if we go back to verse 13, James tells us what we should have and what should show in our lives. Let them show it by their good life or by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. So James is saying if you're wise, you have a good life and you have good deeds, meaning you have good fruit. And you can sum it up by this. You, you love God and you love others. There's good fruit in your life that you can look at someone's life and you can see they're trying to live like Jesus. They love others. They're forgiving. They're kind. They have mercy, right? And we're going to get to all that in a second. But Jesus, James says, listen, they have a good life. And they do deeds done in humility, right? And this word humility, a better translation is, and some of your translations has it, is that it's meekness. But what James is saying is wisdom displays itself, if you go back to that last slide, Peyton, wisdom displays itself in your life by good deeds and having humility. So if you're wise, you should have good fruit, good deeds, and you should be living in humility. And again, a better word for humility is the word meekness. In our society, meekness is not an attribute that you look for. Like when you go out to look for someone who you want to marry, very little do you ever see the word meekness. Like I want someone who is, is meek. Like we don't say that, do we? Because in our society, we want to be heard. We want to jump on social media. We want everyone to know what we believe and what we stand for and what, why we believe this. And if you don't agree with me, guess what? I'm canceling you, right? Because I'm wise. You're not wise. I know everything, right? You need to jump on my side or you're off. We don't live with meekness. And, and we think in our society, we think those people are wise. And it's interesting. James is saying, listen, a wise person is humble. They have meekness to them. 
And we're like, whoa, whoa, Nathan, no, 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 Nathan, no, 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 James, nope, nope, not being a pushover, can't do it, not doing it, not being a pushover, can't be meek, can't be humble, I gotta be loud and proud, and I gotta let everybody know what I believe. I can't be meek, right? Come on, we think that, right? We think that, like, no, I can't do it. Mm-mm, mm, nope, nope, nope. And James is like, listen, that's what unwise people say. We gotta show our strength. We gotta show how much we know. We gotta know. We gotta let people know what we believe about this and that and that. And, and we just gotta, if you don't, I'm canceling you. What James is saying, he's like, listen, you can be a leader, you can be humble. You can be a mover and a shaker without railroading people. You can be the wisest person in the room. And you don't have to let anybody know it with your words. You can be meek. When I think of meek, it's like, it's so interesting. It's like this, this attribute that we don't want to often have in our lives. But when you look at Jesus, and, and I was reading it this week, Jesus was in the garden praying, right? And, and the, the, the soldiers come to arrest him, basically. And Peter, what does he do? He draws the sword. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight all these people. And he cuts a man's ear off. And he, Jesus is like, listen, Peter, if I wanted to, to fight them off, I could do it in a heartbeat. I could do it in a heartbeat. And then, you know, I heard someone tell me, like, at any moment while Jesus was on the cross, he could have taken himself off. But meekness is this idea of having great strength and being able to withhold for the benefit of someone else. Jesus went to the cross with this great strength for you and me. He was humble, lived a humble life of a servant for you and I. And James is like, you want to have wisdom? Follow my brother's example. Humility. Right? Well, I think Paul says that he, he became a servant and he humbled himself, not to be served, but to serve others. Meekness. So you're, you, you have good deeds and you're meek. And then James is like, listen, so that's kind of what, that's choice one, but here's choice two. And he gets all up in your grill, and that's why I like him. He's like, I'm going to get up in your grill, I'm going to get negative real fast. And here's what he says in verse 14 following, he says, but, it, but if you harbor... Bitter envy. Bitter envy is this idea, uh, you think of jealousy, but bitter envy and this word, idea for bitter is like you take a drink of water, it's so bad you just spit it out. It has, there's nothing good that comes from it. So if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. He's like, don't, don't be proud that you and think you have wisdom if you have envy and uh, selfish ambition in your hearts. Don't boast about it. Such wisdom, so I love the parentheses, he's like, such wisdom, like you think that's wise, like, he's like, no, 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 listen, does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly. And listen to what he says, he goes, it's unspiritual, it's demonic, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, what do you find? Disorder and every evil practice. James says, like, listen, you want to know what the opposite of wisdom is, earthly wisdom? It's when you live with bitter envy and selfish ambition. It's when you don't look at the interest of others. It's when you constantly have to railroad others. And when it's when you think you have to get every need you want met. When you think you're the top dog in every situation. When you always got to be heard. And, and no one can get ahead because if you get ahead, you get envy of them. Envious of them, right? That you get jealous of them and you don't want them to get ahead. And then you're selfish. It's living, the, it's living with this attitude, my needs to, need to get met. And I don't care who I have to step on to get them met. James is like, that is earthly wisdom. Doesn't that sound like the world around us? And you can jump on social media. You can watch politics. You can watch the news. You can go to your workplace. You can go to your homes. And you can go to church because he's talking in churches. And think about this. And I want to talk about this for a second. And church, 
world. When your needs aren't met, when, when something gets changed that you don't like, do you jump to humility and meekness? Or you jump like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to do this, this, and this. James is like, listen, that's not how followers of Jesus live. That's earthly wisdom. That's not wisdom at all. It's from below. It's not from above. And I love how he put it in the parentheses. Like, that wisdom, that, that's not from God. And people with, with selfish ambition and envy... They hurt others. They railroad others. They create chaos and disorder. Here's what he's saying. He goes, envy and selfish ambition cannot coexist in the same heart with good deeds and humility. Because self-envy and selfish ambition have no redeeming qualities. And the moment you drink their poison, it brings nothing good. And godly wisdom brings good fruit and humility. But this earthly wisdom, what does it bring? He, goes, he says it's earthly, right? It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. It's demonic. Nothing good from it. And there you find disorder and every evil practice. So he's like, this, this is where affairs come from. This is where cover-ups come from. This is where sin comes from. It's where chaos comes from. It's where church splits come from. It comes from this type of wisdom. Because it's unspiritual. Right? It's not from God. It's demonic. Demons live like this. And you find disorder and every evil practice. And here's what he's saying real simply. You're not really, 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 really following my brother if you live like this. That's what he's saying. He's like, because this is how people of the world live. But you, you say you're a follower of Jesus. He's like, so show me. Show me. Because if this is your fruit, you got a lot of knowledge. You may know about my brother, but you don't really know him. Because what James is saying, he's like, you, you can't know Jesus in the transformation of the cross. You can't know Jesus in the transformation of the resurrection. You can't know Jesus and, and, understand, and live like this. This can't be your fruit. And, and you know Jesus. Like, it just doesn't happen. So he says, that's choice number two. So we got choice one. Humility and good deeds. And then you got selfish ambition and envy and make decisions. He goes, e every evil practice. And basically he's saying this, with this type of wisdom, nothing can be as, as it should be. Nothing good comes out of it. Evil, evil of every practice and, and disorder. It creates chaos in the world, right? He's like, this is why you look around the world and you say, man, what a mess. He goes, it's all because of this type of wisdom. But I, why I love this section, because James doesn't stay negative, right? He goes negative, but he doesn't stay negative. He goes, let me, let me just bring you back to choice one. He's like, let, let's go back to earthly wisdom for a second. But the wisdom, it comes from heaven. So wis wisdom from above, what is it? It's pure. Then peace loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. He's like, if you want to see if you're having if you're living with earthly wisdom or godly wisdom, let's go through the checklist. And here it is. And here's the checklist. You got this type of wisdom, these words, this is what wise people look like. They're pure. 
It appears this idea that they don't have bad motives or false motives in their heart. The idea that, that they live their life to worship Jesus and to love others. They're pure. You don't have to worry about their intentions. You don't have to worry if they love you. You don't have to worry if they're being fake. They're pure, right? You're pure. Peace-loving. Peace-loving. And it's interesting. It says earthly wisdom brings disorder Disorder and chaos, or it brings disorder and chaos. James says, well, godly wisdom brings peace, and it's loving. And when they walk, this person walks into the room, they should bring peace and love. They shouldn't be trying to hurt others or, or diminish others or create chaos. They're peace-loving. They're considerate. Man, what a big word, considerate. They're considerate of how other people feel. They notice other people's feelings. They may not always agree. We don't have to always agree. But they're considerate of how another person believes or lives. They believe that other people matter, that their feelings matter, even if they don't agree with them, and their opinions matter, even if they don't agree with them. They're considerate. They're submissive. Again, we don't like that word, submissive, right? In Christian field, all we think of submissive is we go to Ephesians 4, and we think that's a word for the women, right? No, it's like submissive. And, and what he's saying is like, listen, you don't always have to be in charge. You don't always have to be in charge. Right? You're okay taking the form of a servant. Why? Because Christ was a servant. Full of mercy. This idea of, is that you realize that someone deserves judgment. But you give them grace anyways. Why? Because God gave you grace. So full of mercy. You have good fruit. Grace, you can kind of sum that up in the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Good fruit. And then impartial and sincere, that kind of goes back to what Adam talked about last week, that, that you, you don't treat people differently because of their bank account, because of their social status, because of their skin color, right? You, you treat everybody like they matter because they do. And, and then he sums it up with one kind of a weird verse in verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace, so who, peacemakers who have wisdom and plant little seeds of peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's the idea that a farmer puts all the seeds in the ground at the end of the harvest, they're going to reap a good harvest. When you go around and you're pure and you're loving and you have mercy and you do all those words that we just talked about, peacemakers sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Again, it's this idea that Christians are living this world not to create chaos. That wise people don't go around creating chaos. Wise people go around creating peace through Jesus. They go around with this idea of living like Jesus. And, and it's wisdom from above. And why it's so important to understand this is that naturally you and I, because of our flesh, we don't want to live like this. It's not natural. That's why it's called wisdom from above because wisdom from above comes from God. That we need God to move in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to, to change us, to sanctify us, to, to allow this to happen in our lives. It, it doesn't come natural to us, right? It, it, we want to create chaos. We want, we want our way. We want to be envious. We want to have selfish ambition. And James like, listen, this wisdom comes from above. And what's interesting is that if it comes from above and it comes from God, if, if we want this wisdom, what we're saying is that we want to be image bearers of Christ ultimately. We want to imitate the best that we can God's image and character. And what is God? God's a peacemaker. He's the ultimate peacemaker. And well, what do I mean by that? Well, at one time because of sin, there was not peace between you and God, me and God. 
There, there, there was hostility between us and God, the world and God. And God had to do something, create peace. So what he does is he sends his son Jesus. Jesus had to live a sinless, perfect life. He had to, to fill the completion of the law. And we had to be credited on his behalf. We couldn't do it, right? We couldn't live sinless. We couldn't fulfill the law, right? And that's why we needed Jesus. That's why the world needed Jesus, to live this perfect, sinless life and go to the cross as a sacrifice for our sin. Someone had to pay the debt of our sin. Someone had to pay for the hostility between us and God. And God says, you know what? I'm sending my son, Jesus, to do that. And on the cross, Jesus does that for you and for me. And he creates no longer is there hostility, but he creates peace. He makes a bridge, essentially, a bridge from uh, the hostility, between the hostility of us and God. And now we can get to God because of Jesus. There is no longer hostility. So if we have this wisdom that brings peace, that, that, heart, that brings righteousness, God is calling us to do this, to have that same type of wisdom, that same mindset, how Jesus brought peace to, to us, between us and God, to have that same type of wisdom and bring that same kind of peace in our relationships, that we are to be image, image bearers of God, to bring peace in our, our world, not to bring, bring selfish ambition and envy and chaos. So James is like, if you're wise, this is what you do. Show me. Don't just tell me. Show me. So let's kind of recap some of these words real quick. So we got godly wisdom. It's pure. Worldly wisdom. It's kind of mixed motives. It brings peace. Godly wisdom is a peacetaker. They're gentle. Godly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, you're harsh. Uh, godly wisdom, you're accommodating. Worldly wisdom, you're demanding. Godly wisdom, you're full of mercy. Worldly wisdom, you're unforgiving. Godly wisdom, you have good fruit. Worldly wisdom, you have bad fruit. Godly wisdom, you're sincere. Earthly wisdom, you're manipulative, right? He's like, this is what a wise person looks like. This is what an unwise person looks like. Worldly wisdom says, me, 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 me. Godly wisdom says, how can I serve you? Godly wisdom says, hey, I, I'm here so I, I can make a difference in the world and help the world and love the world and show the world who Christ is. Worldly wisdom says, I don't care about all that. I just want my needs met. And James is, a, is saying, listen, become people who choose choice one. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And as you do, we become people in everyday life who, who use wisdom to think, feel, speak, and act like Jesus. So that's James's plea. So we have to read all of that, and then we have to ask a question. A simple question. James asked it in verse 13. Are you wise? I don't know. I can, I can, I can tell you this. Not all of us have a lot of knowledge, right? I don't, right? So like, but that's not, thank goodness we don't have to have knowledge. We don't get up to heaven and got to take a multiple, you know, like a true false test, right? We don't have to do that. Like, good thing you don't have to know algebra to get in because I'm out, right? Forever, right? But are you wise? Are you wise? And if you be honest, and that's really the only way God can really work in your life is you're honest. And if you're honest, here's most of our questions. Are gonna, most of us are going to answer like this. Not nearly enough. Like I might have some moments where I'm pure. I might have some moments where uh, um, I have good fruit, but not enough. Like, not nearly enough. So what I want to do is I want to end with two things real quick. That I, I believe that if you apply these to your lives, so the first one is going to kind of just be a, a general statement, and the second one is really going to be applicable uh, to leave here today. So the first one is that if you want wisdom, if you want godly wisdom, know God. Know God. What's so cool about James is if you go back to chapter 1, 
he says this in his kind of opening. He goes, if anyone lacks wisdom, anybody lack wisdom, right? We just said most of us, right, lacks wisdom. What should, what should you do? You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You want wisdom? Go ask God. But to ask God, you got to know God. When I say no God, you got to be in a relationship with him. And, and here's, here's kind of the, the tension uh, where the rubber hits the road. A lot of people know about God, but not all know God. A lot of people know him, right? Know about him, right? They can quote some scriptures and say some verses, but not all know God. And to get wisdom that God wants to give you, you got to know God. It means you got to be in a relationship with him. Well, how, how do you have this relationship? You got to be in the word. You got to be in scripture, right? Where, where do you go? Where, where do I go when I need more wisdom? I go to the scripture, right? You know, I go to read things. I listen to the teaching of Jesus. You got to know scripture. You got to know it. You got to pray. You got to be in prayer. You got to be in communication. No, you can't know someone without talking to them. You got to know. I believe you got to be in corporate worship. You got to worship with other believers. You got to come here, sing songs, worship God. You got to be in worship. You got to know Jesus. You have to be doing things to build your relationship. You have to continually be in this, this quest, heading towards God to know God. Because as you get to know God, God is going to give you wisdom. And all you have to do is ask God for this wisdom. And if you know him, James says he's going to generously give you this wisdom. So that's the first one. The second point I, I want to talk about real quick is, it's not really original to me. It's what one of my favorite ministers wrote in a book. And, and, and it's really a thing that, a question that has changed my life. A question I try to live with. I'm not perfect. I, I mess up all the time. But when I, when I come to a crossroads, when, when I think about career choices, when I think about marriage choices, when I think about big decisions in my life, this is a question I ask. Ask, what is the wise thing to do? And if you, if you can learn to ask this question, what is the wise thing to do? Man, it'll change your spiritual life. I'm telling you. Because you're going to God for wisdom, right? What is the wise thing to do? It'll change your marriages. Change your relationships. It'll change a lot in your life. What is the wise thing to do? And remember, we, we said knowledge, to kind of start off today, we said knowledge is knowing the facts. We've spent 35 minutes giving you the facts today, right? You got the facts. You got the facts now. That's knowledge. But wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based on the knowledge available. James has laid it out in five verses. Here's the knowledge. Here's the information. Now use wisdom to live this way. And, and I don't know all of your stories, but I bet you're a lot like me. If you go back and look at the biggest regret in your life, or the biggest regrets, the moments that you wish you could take back, that just erase from your memory, erase from your story, it wasn't made in one decision. That your biggest regret followed a series of unwise decisions. That at any point, if you would have stopped and asked the question, what is the wise thing to do? Using wisdom could have changed everything. And those are moments we wish we could go back and we could take back. But we know that's not how that works, right? But what James is doing, James' words are an invitation. He can't take you back, but he can help you how you live forward. James' words are an invitation to live wisely going forward. Can't go back, but you get to decide how you choose to live life going forward. And in the book, you know, the, the author kind of says, well, in light of your past, in light of this, in light of that, what's the wise thing to do? I, I kind of changed the question today. So not just ask what the wise thing to do is, ask it this way. In, in light of what I know, in light of what I know, the knowledge I have, who I want to be, 
and where I want to end up in life, what's the wise thing to do? In light of what I know, a lot of what you know about your faith, a lot of what you know about Jesus, a lot of what you know about what James says, who you want to be, what type of follower of Christ you want to be, what type of person you want to be, what type of spouse, what type of husband, what type of, of friend, what, you know, what type of person you want to be, and where you want to end up in life. What's the wise thing to do? I'll give you an example. This is my example. I want to preface, I, I think I probably shared this before, but I want to preface this with this. This works for me. It, it's not what I'm calling everybody to do. But it's a wise thing for me to do. And again, remember, in, in light of what I know, and who I want to be, and where I want to end up, this is the decision I made. So I'll, I'll take you back to 15-year-old Nathan, skinny old 15-year-old Nathan on a Friday night after a football game. 15 years old. Now I remember, uh, it was like one of the first times, like my, my buddies started to get their license, and so we can start going to parties. And I remember 15, the first time ever, being offered a beer. Right, so upper class and go to this party, even offered a beer. And you got a decision to make at 15, right? And this is really like, you know, you got peer pressure in high school, so you got a decision to make. He's holding the beer here. I got a decision to make. I look around, everybody else is drinking. So I, like, I got a decision. I got to make it real quick. 15 years old. So, you know, I, I got to think of a lot of what I know. So I, I, know, I know about the deer class, you know, like they bring in and drug awareness and they bring out that talking draft and they show you all the pictures and they're like, don't take drugs and don't drink because it's going to ruin your life. Well, I looked around at 15 years old and it wasn't ruining anybody's life. As a matter of fact, it looked like those guys were having a lot of fun, right? They're, they're, they're enjoying themselves, okay? But then I had to also say in light of what I know, well, what did I know? Well, I knew at eight, at eight years old, my dad died from drinking and driving, I knew that my dad's dad, my grandpa Steve, was an alcoholic who ultimately, when I was in college, died of liver failure from drinking himself to death. I knew my mom's dad would come home every night and he basically would drink himself to sleep. I knew alcoholism ran through my family. It was in our veins. It was in addiction. Right? I knew my family had drug addiction and alcohol addiction. It was like everywhere I looked, I could just name all my relatives who struggled with it. But at 15, you're like, well, I'm the exception, right? Why not? Like, that was them. That's not me. I can, I, I can do it. But then I had to think, well, who did I want to be? Well, I didn't want to be like them. You guys know that. I've shared that. I didn't want to be like them. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to follow those footsteps. Where did I want to end up? Not like them. So 15. Okay. In light of what I know, who I want to be, where I want to end up, I got to answer a question. Do you want this beer? 15. And this is what I said. No, man. I'm good. And for 15 years ever since, every opportunity I've been asked to drink or given opportunity to drink, I say, no, man. I'm good. Not because alcohol is bad. Not because it's the devil. Because in light of what I knew about my family, my history, what the wise thing to do, in light of what I knew and who I wanted to be, where I wanted to end up in life, I had to do the wise thing. And I believe continually I have to make the decision every single day to do the wise thing. Your situations are different. But you've got to ask, what is the wise thing to do? In light of what I know, who I want to be, and where I want to end up. What's the wise thing to do when you're talking to that person outside your marriage? What's the wise thing to do when you're accepting that new job or going to college or you're hanging out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you're hanging out with friends and they're all doing something you know you don't really want to do? We've got decisions to make. And all James is saying is like, listen, you have two choices. You can use godly wisdom, you can use early wisdom. But you've got to ask yourself, what's the wise thing to do? In light of what you know, who you want to be, where you want to end up, what's the wise thing to do? And James says, just make sure as you're making these decisions, 
Make the wise choice where it's pure. It's peace, loving. It's full of mercy. It brings good fruit. You're a peacemaker who has a harvest of righteousness. And as the worship team comes up here in just a few moments, we're, we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to continue to sing and we're going to continue to praise. And I'm going to come back up here in a few moments. I'm going to do communion meditation. We're going to continue with this series and this sermon. I mean, continue with this service. And here's what I'm going to ask you. Go back to James 1.5. At some point today before you leave, go to God. And I don't know what decisions are on your heart, what decisions you're making, what you're going through. But I want you to go to God and ask him for wisdom. Whether it's why we're singing, whether it's during communion, whether it's why I'm praying, go to God and say, God, what, what do you want me to do? What is the wise thing to do moving forward from here on out? For some of you, the wise thing to do today is stop waiting. Stop living in earthly wisdom. Stop living, doing your own thing. Make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe that's the wise thing. For some of you, it's to eliminate something from your life. For some of you, it's to eliminate a person from your life. And for some of you, it's to turn away from a sin. And here's what I want you to do. At some point today, ask God for that wisdom. And if you need prayer, you need to talk, here's what we're going to do a little different. You're going to go through these double doors in a little coffee area and meet us by the fireplace. And we would love to have a discussion with you. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you give us the opportunity to live with godly wisdom. That you are, are so generous and you will give us this wisdom. Father, we're also thankful that you're generous and you gave us your, your son, Jesus, to know, so we can no longer have hostility between us. But if we choose to follow you, there could be peace, God. So I pray as we leave today, at some point, we, we turn to you asking for your wisdom. God, because we know that you give wisdom generously. Father, so I, I pray that, that you move into those lives who, who, here today who are trying to make decisions on what to do next. God, we know that you love us, and we love you because you loved us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.